재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 Our rock scholar is here on Koreascape, as he is every Monday, to fill us in on the rock, the Republic of Korea, that we think we know, but uh, to really drill down into some of the real details, the reasons, the rationale behind the facts that we are surrounded by in our everyday lives. He is a man of many identities and avatars. He is with us on Saturday as our voice of expat intel. You can find him online as the Korea Nerd. His name, in reality, is Alex Sigrist. Hey, Alex. Good morning, Kurt. How's it going? Good morning. Good morning. So are we going to get nerdy today? Well, don't we always? <laughs> I, I mean, think by now your following is uh, expecting nothing less than high-octane nerdiness. Well, what could we do? Honestly, that's an un-nerdy topic. Just talk about, like, sports and trucks all day or something? or I suppose we could do, like, a Game of Thrones fan discussion. But that's kind of nerdy, that too. That is also it's very nerdy. On the geekier side of nerdiness, but it's still nerdy. I mean, technically, yeah. I think um, those are the same thing. Just mm-hmm. nerdy focuses more on... School. It's rapidly becoming <laughs> clear to me I'm trapped in my own web of nerdiness. <laughs> We're all nerds at heart. This That's is why right. we do this, because everyone has this itching desire to satisfy the curiosity. So, yeah, uh, today we're talking uh, about a dollars and cents pocketbook or wallet issue. Uh, what does it really cost to yeah. live in Seoul? Do you find Seoul expensive, personally? No, but um, because I figured it out. Okay. I think there's uh, this will be interesting when we get into the numbers, because this... this I, the survey came out that said Seoul was like the eighth most expensive city, right? And yeah. this is recent. It was obviously spread around social media. And I was thinking about it, and it's like, no, something's wrong here because it's not that expensive. Exactly. I and I, I, I bet you you're going to cover this, but this is what they used to tell us in the newsroom all the time. They would go, listen, these surveys come out and they say, oh, yeah, Seoul and Tokyo are like super duper expensive. But uh, those surveys are basically aimed at expat executives from Western countries mm, yeah. who want to completely recreate their Western lifestyle. Right, right. You know, and eat steak and eat hamburgers and all that other stuff. Um Whereas if they live off the local economy, if they eat some gigas and buy their vegetables locally, yeah. mm-hmm. they're going to save a ton of money. Exactly. And so when you look behind the numbers, you do find that's exactly the case, where if you look at it from a Western-centric point of view, yeah, it's really expensive. But if you can get over that, you should be able to live much more cheaply. So we're going to kind of demystify the fact that it's the eighth most expensive in the world. All right. How do we get going with that? Oh, so today we're going to do a little bit of a thought experiment to get us thinking about the cost of having a child in Korea. Now, it is related. It's, it's an area that seems inexpensive, right? So when you have a child, the hospital costs are much cheaper, and you end up having the child. But there's some individual items that all of a sudden balance out this cost. So let's go ahead and get into this experiment. But first, while you're listening... Try to guess that expensive item. What is the most expensive item you could think of for a child and see if it matches what it is? Having a child in Korea seems like a good deal. 
The government has been trying to increase the birth rate. So not only do you have an inexpensive birth experience at the hospital, the government will actually give you a stipend, a little bit of extra spending cash. Seems like it's financially responsible, even as myself an American, to have my child here. I think I'll do that. It's nice and cheap to have my child here. And he or she can stay with the grandparents during the week for free. So it's cheaper than America, right? Well, that is until you buy that $1,000 price tag item that every child needs. What do you think that is? $1,000 item. This surprised me. Am I enrolling him in Infant Harvard or something? <laughs> oh, we're not even getting to school yet. I mean, school is going to be a whole different story. I was planning on taking my kid back to the States for cheaper school. Uh. This, this actually surprised me because I just heard about it a few weeks ago when I was talking to a family, uh, a family friend here, and she said, yeah, the, like the cheapest strollers in Korea stores are like $1,000. Strollers. Strollers. Little push wagon the, thingies. Wheels. They're wheels. <laughs> They're, it's a bet on wheels. And 1, it's thousand, expensive. Yeah, I don't, I, not the cheapest, but the general price tag is it starting from 1000 Yeah, my bicycle is not $1,000. Well, you could put your kid on a bike, but that might be an awkward experience. Yeah. Oh, I'm but, sorry. We're going to have to learn walking a little earlier yeah. than scheduled. And I checked it out, uh, and it's true. I think there were some cheaper ones around the $500 price tag range, but average strollers, these are really This is expensive. not even like fancy ones, like the, the, the runner's strollers with shock absorbers and all that stuff. Well, you know what it is, though. It, uh, it's some of that as well, but especially when you get into the $2,000 range. But it's the fact that that's sometimes all that's offered here. Well, I was going to ask you, there's no secondary market. There's no... Right. You, people aren't selling off their kids' no. stuff. And there's not the, the generic, let's say, the non-shock absorber. I don't know what, what generic is. Yeah. I used to think it was a push cart. It's yeah. a push cart. Oh, I remember my... Yeah. I can even remember as a, as a little kid, my stroller, it was on plastic wheels. I felt every bump in the road. Yeah. It was like, you know, being in a Humvee. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I think, so, bringing this thought experiment you know, to fruition, to think about what it is. We're trying to make the case today that the reason the cost of living in Seoul is, is so markedly high, it has more to do with the inconsistencies, inconsistencies in the pricing than it actually being more expensive. And especially when, as you mentioned earlier, you bring in sort of those Western ideologies, like you have to have this or you need to have that. And so you have a kit, it seems really cheap until a few random items changes the average completely. So are you suggesting there are market inefficiencies in the pricing <gasps> of children's strollers here in Korea? <laughs> investigation. <laughs> I'm calling for an investigation. <laughs> <laughs> Alex's notebook. Yeah, that must be an inefficient market. Come on. Either yeah. the, you, there must be for these lower income families there, yeah, and some the, price point at which they can push their kid around. That's and, not a thousand. And of course there there are. I mean, um, but what happens with these, we're going to look at the cost of living and the cost of living surveys, is what happens with these cost of living surveys is you end up taking maybe averages. And so maybe if only 10% of people bought the cheap ones, that average might be completely offset by the rest of the people who decide their kid needs to ride in luxury. Yes. And so that will change it up a bit. There's a lot of reasons, too. So I guess we should start maybe at the beginning. Uh, what is the cost of living? Mm -hmm. And when you look at these cost of living indexes, you'll see a bunch of numbers, zero to maybe 150 sometimes. And what you're looking at here is 
$100 or 100 points is your base city. Let's say New York is the base city. And then we, you look at a server that says London is 120. That would imply that London is 20% more expensive than New York. Mm. And, of course, oftentimes since these surveys are done in the U.S., you'll see a U.S. city, usually New York, as kind of the base city. Okay. And it only tracks a, like a basket of consumer goods, a bread basket, if you sure. will. It's, a representative it's, bundle yeah. of goods. And so when we start to look behind these numbers, we'll see why Korea, although not as expensive, is ranked quite high up there on the charts. Didn't you say it was number eight? Number eight, yeah. It's tied for number eight. And so that's, I believe the other city was Los Angeles uh, and Copenhagen, actually. The three of those were tied at number eight. New York was number seven. Uh, top city was Zurich and um, Hong Kong taking two. Uh, oh, sorry, no, sorry. Singapore, top city. Zurich and Hong Kong were tied at two. Oh, uh, really? And I would then, have thought Zurich, but I guess, yeah. I, who Transport knows, Transport right? logistics, yeah. perhaps. I don't know. Uh, Geneva and Paris were also on that list. And this was from, uh, the survey was reported upon, on in The Economist. And it was interesting. In, in fact, actually, one other quick fun little fun fact about that survey is Seoul's actually technically kind of getting cheaper when you're looking at the overall picture of it, but it still took a high ranking as well. It's so interesting, especially when you deal with very volatile food products, things yeah. like that. For example, uh, milk or mm-hmm. uh, or steak might be very expensive here in Seoul, right. very cheap in, say, Kansas. Yeah. But yeah. Kansas, people are going to pay a whole lot for kimchi. <laughs> <you know? laughs> um, no, so- they, should, they should really... That's a required food item, kimchi. They should put that in every market. They should have a Kim Jong in Kansas. How much is New York? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It should be part of the CPI. <laughs> kimchi should be a staple uh, food. Let's start with that. Let's start with the basic items. So when we're looking at these basic items, we're seeing why it seems to get so more, much more expensive. Kimchi is not on the list. Right. Obviously. But items such as bread and milk. And the U.S. farm industry is heavily subsidized. Sure. That's one reason that Americans can get much, much cheaper products uh, than otherwise. That, and there's tons of cows. <laughs> We've got a surplus of cows. I'm, I wonder what that number is. I actually don't know the number of how many cows are actually here. Uh, I've got the number, actually, of milk, where it is 49% cheaper hmm. in New York than it is in Seoul. Sure. Sure. Milk, oh, yeah. is, milk, butter, cream, those are especially expensive here in Korea. Yeah. So it's it's tough to get things like a bakery off the ground because mm-hmm. they use a lot of butter. Yeah. Uh, you know, homemade ice cream, things like that tend to be more expensive. Yeah. Uh, apples and bananas also cheaper in New York. But then some random ones as well, like oranges are slightly more expensive. And so it's kind of a mixed bag. One thing I've noticed about Korea, though, is a lot of these prices are more just dependent on the season because Korea is much more dependent on the season to make it cheaper sure. or more expensive. Otherwise, they're just getting it shipped in from overseas. So simple items like fruit, you know, this Western mentality, you have to have fruit. Mm. Whereas in Korea, fruit is like a dessert. You know, it's not part of your... Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's intentional or not, but I don't see Koreans going out of their way to eat five, five servings groups, of fruit yeah. a day. Yeah. Well, there's... Um certain seasonalities in Korea where right. uh, a given fruit might come close to being cheap, whereas yeah, yeah. with the import costs, uh, that same fruit in, say, Massachusetts, my home state, might be more expensive. So at a certain season inflection, dalgi or strawberries are just incredibly beautiful and cheap, yeah. Yeah. whereas oh, those so nice. same dalgi would be much more expensive in, in my hometown. Yeah, the U.S., for better or for worse, does a good job of getting food to the market at any season. 
yeah. uh, worse if you consider maybe the environmental factors that might be messing it up. Right. But yeah. So then there's more also as well in these basic items, oil, gasoline. Uh, the housing market always changing is, is a factor. Is this. Uh, another reason why Korea is in the top eight is this geographic isolation that we sort of touched on when it comes to importing items, importing fruit. The, you know, Korea is not a natural resource-rich environment. Almost everything has to be imported That's as well. It. Especially energy, and that underlies everything. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, though, another thing that makes it interesting is even though these energy costs are high, public transportation is a reason that it keeps a little bit down on mm. that list because public transportation is Korea, in Korea is relatively inexpensive, although similar to the U.S. farm market, part of the reason is it's heavily subsidized. Yeah. Lots of loans given to uh, companies to start creating these mass transit systems. And so, yeah, as, as we keep going through this, we'll start to notice, yeah, this is kind of more of a murky picture of why Korea is up there. And it's really hard to kind of notice it. Another thing that's always fun to talk about, and I know <laughs> Koreans may not love it, but Korean items can also be more expensive here. Sure. Like, think about um, the electronics market. For some reason, maybe it's for market penetration co- strategies in other countries. Korea's electronics market, considering they're made here or at least um, developed here, not very cheap at all. Well, there was that period, I don't know if they're still doing it in Korea, where they would order a gigantic flat screen off of a major online retailer, have it shipped all the way to Korea Mm -hmm. from the United States, from some warehouse in the United States, and it still winds up cheaper than if they drove to their local department store and bought Mm. it there. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's for sure. Now, this last one um, I'm going to talk about, I don't really know how to say it. It's kind of more uh, anecdotal, if you will. I, I just called it keeping up with the Kardashians because I'm not creative at all. We're going to go with that. <laughs> keeping up with the So they uh, used to say keeping up with the Joneses or the people next door, yeah. the next door neighbors. Nowadays, it's keeping up with the Kardashians. In other yeah. words, spending money you don't have to impress people you don't like. Right. And it's not that doesn't change the CPI directly. But it what it does do, it, it does drive those prices up. It's supply and demand. When more people have to have a certain item sure. or they want to have the more expensive version of that item, yeah. it just drives up the prices and then will alter uh, what we have right there. You want to show the same degree of bling-bling that you show in New York when you move to Seoul that might cost you more on certain fronts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it was interesting to, um, as we're looking through these numbers, uh, it was interesting to notice the differences in how, let's say, how your daily costs are divided up. Uh, What would you expect to be, like, kind of much higher in New York than it would be in, let's say, Seoul? I would guess housing. Yeah, housing. I, I hadn't noticed that because I, I thought Korea was kind of expensive, but then I was looking my, – my sister used to live in New York, and she had a, a one room. Yeah, to have a and, closet oh in New York is expensive. Gosh, yeah. it, a closet would be a nice way of describing it. Yeah. <laughs> it might be a walk-in closet maybe, yeah. it Can she um, touch both sides of the room at once with a spread arm span? <laughs> and she was sharing with the roommate. I think that was about one point uh, – this is – Obviously, based on my own anecdotal evidence, but the same size room here was probably around seven hundred dollars a month, or and uh, New York was about one point five, so one thousand. Yeah, and she was she was working on a coffee shop salary at that point. I mean, she was <laughs> yeah. That was absolutely incredible. The now, urban poor, basically. Yeah, I hate that. Sounds really odd to to, to say about my poor. sister. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's also some reasons we should look at the flip side of to why maybe 
these costs, the, the CPI ranking doesn't go any higher than level eight. So we talked a little bit about that already when we looked at the uh, transportation. Mm-hmm. That keeps it very low. Another reason maybe Seoul is not rising anymore may have to do with, I'm going to say two factors. One is the recent FDA agreements we've talked about. It is keeping imports down. It's a double-edged sword, right? So you may hurt your own production, uh, especially if you're a more technologi- technologically advanced society. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you get to keep those costs very, very low. So the FDA agreements may be a factor in keeping Seoul from, let's say, achieving the level of Tokyo, Tokyo expensive or New York expensive. And then, interestingly, the living wage here is a little, so the minimum wage here is also kept low. Another double-edged sword, if you don't give them, give a higher minimum wage, you don't have people who can spend their money. But at the same time, that will keep the cost of a coffee down in theory, right? In a, in a perfect market situation, sure. anyway, that's what it is. And I was wondering about that. I don't know. What, this one I don't have a, a solid answer for. I mean, I was wondering what you think about the housing situation because is the housing – the housing is cheap here, right? It, I think you have city. more latitude uh, in choosing cheap housing in Seoul. You can yeah. choose anywhere from like stratospheric uh, penthouse, you know, Gangnam type prices. Yeah, like my house, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or you can go all the way to some, you know, uh, lower cost neighborhood and, and get something like a, a studio or an oktapang or something yeah. like that uh, for very inexpensive. So you yeah. have choice. You have freedom of choice. Whereas in a city like, say, Boston or New New York, mm-hmm. you're just going to be paying top dollar for almost anything that's urban, anything that's yeah. central. Yeah, I was wondering about this, too, and I was trying to figure out kind of the underlying reason that it's so inexpensive. One theory I came up with is the fact that it's just more common for children to stay with their parents longer. And when, ah, you, when you keep your family together for a longer time, you have less people looking for a new house. So you have less people going out there, and that in a way, may keep the market prices of housing down. I've always wondered what the sort of macroeconomic effect is of all of this cash that's trapped in Jonse yeah. in Korea. There's just so much cash being held as deposits. Yeah. If that were to become more liquid and people were able to get apartments with just a small deposit and perhaps a higher wallse. Yeah. I think that's that would be a fun one to dive into later, the, the whole housing market here in Korea, because it is kind of liquid. I mean, what happens a lot is they take the Jonsei money and they go out and just build a new apartment. But eventually there's going to be no more apartment space to yeah. build. There's going to be... I'm very curious about the Korean housing market. I think that's a, just a personal interest of mine because I want to eventually go into investing. I don't know if it can keep getting more expensive or if the bubble there's going to be a bubble on it because then you have to also remember that there's not only a... Um, there's not only a housing potential like mortgage crisis, there's also the credit card crisis, which is tied to that if, you know, if your family can't afford to pay both of those as well. I'm very, very curious about it because I think one day it would be an interesting to invest. I just don't know if I should wait until prices drop or now is the time. I think you will find people to argue that there's a bit of a real estate bubble in right, Seoul. Right. And, in uh, Seoul specifically, yeah. More and more you find that landlords no longer are interested in doing Jonsei contracts. Right. They want uh, what so say, or a hybrid one yeah. because real estate isn't the automatic cash cow that it used to be. And interest rates have been low forever now, right? Yeah. So that is the trend, true. Um, there's a lot less Jonsei going on. And so maybe we are going to start seeing the liquidization. Liquidization? <laughs> The liquidizing, eh, the new word of the day. Okay, pioneering new terminology.
technology in the investment field. It's Alex Sigrist, <laughs> our rock scholar. Where can people find more of your nerdiness online? If you go to www.koreanerd.com or just look through my social media, The Korean Nerd, for my handles. All right, and we'll see you again next week with some more nerdiness and on the weekend with some expat intel. Thank you, Alex. Yeah, always love doing it. All right, and that brings today's Koreascape to a close. We are produced by Christina Saw with associate production by Jamie Lee and Nikki Kim. Writing is done by GP1. I'm Kurt Asian. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for all the updates. Koreascape is the handle. Tune in tomorrow at 9 a.m. We're going to share some fine examples of Korean ingenuity in our Invention Day edition of Did You Know? We'll see you then.